Deuteronomy chapter 1, as I told you last week, we were going to uh, come back and, and revisit this. We mentioned it briefly in our time together last Sunday. And so, as I promised, we're going to deal with some of the text here a little bit more in depth. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in our welcome, um, my wife Paul and Haley are here. Uh, they're here for about a week, and then they're going to turn around and be gone for another week. Uh, Haley has a uh, music camp at Harding University, uh, and then as at the end of the week, she will register uh, for classes uh, for this fall so that we can send her and all the rest of our money uh, to Harding University. So um, that's something else we have to look forward to, um, but we are uh, glad that we got our house closed uh, Steve and Lisa Eldridge are not here this morning. Uh, we're staying with them, as you know. Uh, they have been so kind, so gracious, and uh, what a blessing. God knows exactly what we need, uh, and uh, when he put us with them, they're so easy, uh, so easygoing, easy to get along with, um, and we wanted, we thought our stuff was supposed to be here yesterday, um, but that was just a window, a window of opportunity that, that closed very rapidly. And um, our stuff is going to be loaded up on Tuesday, July the 5th, still in Texas. And depending on how many other families they load up on that uh, 18-wheeler, uh, it could be here on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, sometime in the future. So that's not what we were really hoping for. But it really has proven to be a blessing in disguise because uh, Steve and Lisa have um, bought and sold a number of houses. They have uh, flipped some houses when their kids were in college. And so they are very adept uh, at uh, filling paint holes uh, with uh, spackling and, and sanding and getting things ready. We're gonna, we went and bought paint. We're gonna do some painting later on this evening and tomorrow. As everyone's celebrating the 4th, we're gonna be painting, um, stuff that once your, once your stuff gets there, it's just so hard to do. It's hard to, to paint and to, to do things when everything's crowded in there. And knowing me as I do, uh, just having our stuff in there, I would have said, hey, you know, we'll paint later. And later would have turned into a year or two or five, and it never would have gotten done. So God bless the Eldridges for, for getting, uh, getting us motivated and, and really having all the stuff. They had four or five bins of stuff that we just were labeled. You know, Lisa labels everything, you know. If, if you sit for too long, she's going to slap a label on you. I mean, she's got one of them cricket things. I don't know if that's what it's called, but anyway... You, you, you got to keep moving, and uh, so we're, we're excited, um, excited to have the house and uh, look forward to uh, what it's going to look like after a couple of fresh coats of paint. Let's look at our text this morning. This is the word of the Lord. I confess to you again this morning that I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Everything in it has been breathed out by God. Paul wrote to uh, Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? 
so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I confess to you that I believe that the Bible is the word of God. I believe all of it is true and it is for us to, uh, to read and to learn from. We would, we would do well to spend much time in the word of God. So just to catch us back up, the book of Deuteronomy, um, just the name itself, uh, it comes from uh, the Greek deuteros, which means two or second, and then nomos, or nomos, which means law. So in the Hebrew Bible, actually that's not the name of this book. Uh, the name of the book is just these are the words, which is how the book begins. These are the words that Moses spoke. To all the people. So in the Hebrew, that's the name of the book. These are the words. But for us, um, taken somewhere much later in the book and sort of a mistranslation from uh, the, the Greek Septuagint and the Latin Vulgate, uh, we get the word Deuteronomy, the second law. And literally, that's what it is. Moses is giving the law again to a new generation of people, uh, people that did not hear this at Mount Sinai, or they were very, very young. Some of them had not even been born when they first received the law. So here we are in the book of Deuteronomy. We are at the end of the 40 years of wandering, okay? This is what Moses is telling the, this new generation. He's basically going back and reciting what has happened up to this time, okay? All of these years later. He goes back to the very beginning of those wilderness wanderings, and then he, he, he sort of preaches a sermon, or really a series of sermons, throughout the book that we call Deuteronomy, because he is passionately pleading with this new generation. God is passionately pleading through a very passionate Moses, knowing that this new generation is going to need the Word of God. They're going to need this word in their hearts and in their lives. But also, they need to know that this word from God, if they are not obedient, will bring curses. It will bring curses on their life. So Moses, through this series of sermons and, and these words he's pleading with them, you have before you blessings and cursings. Choose blessings. You have before you life and death, and I'm pleading with you to choose life. Choose to follow God. Choose to obey. The book we're going to talk about here in a moment is really a book of transition. It's a book of transition, but you could also label obedience uh, to this book. Moses is pleading with the children of Israel to be obedient to God, to follow his commands, to love him. At this point, Israel is camped on the, the great plains of Moab. They're about to cross into uh, the land of promise, cross the Jordan River and go into this promised land that God had promised them 400 years prior when they were first led out of, uh, of slavery. So they'd come through this long, difficult journey from Egypt, as I said uh, they're at the end of this 40 years of wandering. And they wandered for these 40 years, as you know, because of their disobedience. 
Because of their disobedience, God has caused them to wander for 40 years. And the wandering was for the purpose of all those that had been disobedient for them to die. That was the purpose of the wanderings. So that all of those who had disobeyed the Lord would die out. Because he promised that none of them who had disobeyed him would ever see the land of promise. The book of Deuteronomy is a book of transition. Before we get into our text this morning, let me just mark four, four ways that this book is, is a book of transition. It marks the transition to a new generation. With the exception of, uh, of Joshua and Caleb, and Moses now, he's, he's an old man, but he's not going to get to enter. With the exception of Joshua and Caleb, all of the old generation died in the wilderness. They're the only ones. Do you remember why Joshua and Caleb got to go in? There were 12 spies. If you go back to Numbers, uh, I think it's chapter 13, chapter 14. God had sent 12 spies into the land. And the 12 spies went in to spy out that land because that's what spies do. See, they spy things. And so the, the 12 spies that go out, they spy the land. The land is amazing. It's, God said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. They found grapes. They said they, they cut off a cluster of grapes and men carried it on poles. How big are those kind of grapes when, when you gotta carry a cluster on poles? So the land was phenomenal. They brought back figs and pomegranates. They said it was an awesome land, but you know what else they said? It's a scary land. That we, we saw the descendants of, of Anak there, the Anakites. Who were those people? Giants. They're giants in the land. They swallow people. They devour. Yes, it's a good land, but we can't take it because we look like grasshoppers. Grasshopper. We look like grasshoppers to them. That's the way we feel when we see them. So we can't take it. They even said, we need to choose a leader to take us back to Egypt. You remember that story? Let's choose from ourselves a leader that will guide us back to Egypt. Can you imagine? Egypt represented everything that meant slavery. Everything about being captive. And so they want to go back to Egypt. You know, sometimes we're like that, aren't we? Egypt represents everything that has to do with slavery. And yet sometimes we as followers of Christ, those of us who profess the name of Jesus, we want to go back to sin. We want to flirt with things on the other side of what we know we shouldn't be doing. And in essence, that's what we're doing. We, we want to go back to Egypt. Everything that represents slavery, bondage, you're not free. And yet that's what we find ourselves doing. I find myself at times. I want to go back to Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb... Ten spies in Canaan's, twelve spies in Canaan's land. Ten were bad and two were good. Joshua and Caleb. They said, we can take this land. 
Yeah, they're giants in the land, but we can do it with God's help. With God on our side, we can take the land. And so because of their faithfulness, their trust and their belief in God, God said, Joshua and Caleb, they'll get to go in, but no one else. No one else. So that's what the wilderness wanderings were about, so that all those who rebelled would die away. So this is a transition uh, to a new generation. It also marks a transition to a new possession, a new possession. The wilderness wanderings give way now to this national occupation of the land of Canaan, what God had promised for them. It also marks a transition to a new experience, to a new life. They're going to be living in houses now instead of tents. A tent has the idea of something that is not permanent, right? Typically, if you live in a tent, it's for a weekend. It's for when you go out and you have fun and you, and you sleep on an air mattress and it, and it deflates and you wake up and your shoulder and your hips hurting and, and you wish you could go to McDonald's or something, but you gotta cook, you know, breakfast over and over an open fire. And camping is, is not supposed to be permanent. But these folks have been wandering in tents for 40 years now. So going into the land of Canaan, there's a new experience. It's going to be a new, a new life. They're going to live in houses, houses that they did not build. No more wandering, no more tent. They're going to have a new diet. Think about it. They have been existing on manna. At times they had quail in the wilderness. But now they're going to be entering into a land that's flowing with what? Milk and honey. And they're also going to have the corn and the wine that Canaan, the land of Canaan, would provide. They're going to have a new diet. It's going to be a whole new life, a whole new experience. It also is a transition, if you will, to a new revelation of God, a revelation of his love. Now, now the love of God, don't get me wrong, the love of God has always been, it's always existed all the way from Genesis up to this point. We see uh, God speaking of his unfailing love. But it seems that here in Revelation, it's, it's really amped up. God is really revealing himself um, in, in his love. Let's just look at a few verses before we go back to uh, chapter 1. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, I think I want to go down to... Let, let's start in verse 35. You were shown these things so that you may know that the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. I love that. There is no other God. Beside him. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words from out of the fire. Look at this. Because he loved your forefathers and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land. 
and to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Because God loved your forefathers, he brought them out of Egypt. And God is keeping his promise to you because of his great love. Look at chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. You were just the runt of the litter. God didn't choose you because of anything in you, but it was because the Lord loved you. It's because the Lord loved you. And he kept the oath he swore to your forefathers, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It's because he loved you. That's why that he's doing all of these things. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. Beginning of verse 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection. I love that word. He set his affection. We, we know what that means, don't we? Very descriptive. He set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all nations as it is today. It's because of God's great love that you are where you are. There's a lesson in there for us today. All right, so back to chapter 1. Let's look at our text. This is the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy, chapter 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all of Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. Just reading all of that makes me a little Dizahab. Look at this, verse 2. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb. Horeb is, is Mount Sinai. That's, that's what it's referred to here in the book of Deuteronomy almost exclusively. But Horeb is the same uh, name as, as Mount Sinai. So that's what we're talking about. Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb, Mount Sinai, to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. Now, let's just make a comment here. God leads the children out of Egypt. He brought them to Sinai, or Mount Horeb, where he gave them the law. It's very interesting to note it's an 11-day journey, and they're moving a lot of people and a lot of animals, okay? No small thing. But it, it's, it should take 11 days to go from Sinai, where God gave the law, to Kadesh Barnea. Where is Kadesh Barnea? That's right there, the precipice of the promised land. 
Kadesh is where those 12 spies that we talked about a few moments ago, that's where the 12 spies went into Canaan and spied out the land. Okay? Kadesh is where they came back and said, we can't do it. We can't take it. There are giants in the land. We're grasshoppers in their eyes. That is where they had disobeyed God. That's where they were afraid. And they said, we want to go back to Egypt. Kadesh is that place where God said, you will not enter in. Only Joshua, only Caleb, the rest of you, you're going to wander until you die, basically. That's where Kadesh is. So from Mount Sinai to the precipice of the promised land was less than a two-week journey. Are you with me? It, took, it should have taken less than two weeks. I almost fell just then. <laughs> I get close to the edge. Almost fell. Should have taken about two weeks or a little bit less. And they have now wandered for how long? Forty years. Because of that disobedience at Kadesh Barnea. Eleven day journey. In the fortieth year, we're at, we're at the end of the wanderings, okay? In the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Mo- Moses proclaimed to the Israelites, all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and Edrei had de- uh, and at Edrei had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned at Ashtaroth. You see, the victory was theirs uh, if they only had the faith to receive it. The victory was already theirs. But they had to move in faith. And once they did, God gave them victories very quickly. Very quickly over these two pagan kings. East of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expand this law. 11.10. See how much time we got. Now this is what Moses is recounting, okay? He's going back 40 years now when he says this. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, or Sinai, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. You've stayed long enough. We talked about that last week just briefly. The children of Israel, after coming out of the bondage, they received the law at Sinai. They needed this time. They needed time. To learn something about God's law, how God wants them to live, the things that they are to do, the things that they are not to do. They needed this time. The tabernacle was pitched and all of the, uh, the tribes, the 12 tribes, as tribes, they would, would camp around that tabernacle. And they could see the pillar of fire um, they could see the presence, the Shekinah glory of God as that fire descended. They needed that time to learn something of God's holiness. But they had stayed there on the mountain for almost a year. And it's at that point 
that God spoke to Moses and told Moses to tell the people, you have stayed here long enough. You've stayed here long enough. I think what God was saying through Moses at that time was that, yes, you needed this time, but you've kind of gotten comfortable here on the mountain. You've maybe become a little complacent. God is saying through Moses, I didn't lead you out of Egypt just to bring you to the foot of this mountain. Because this mountain is not the promised land. Are you, did, are you with me? This mountain is not what I have in store for you. Yes, this mountain was a necessary stop. You needed the law. You need to know my heart. You need to know my character. You need to know something about my holiness. But this is not where you are to live. This was a momentary stop for you to learn of me. And you have stayed here long enough. After 40 years, they're now finally going in to the promised land. What should have been a 12-day, 11-12-day journey. But they had to get off that mountain all those years ago. He says, you've stayed here long enough. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. In order to break camp, we said last week, you've got to be mobile and you've got to be flexible. You've got you to be willing to pack up that tent, break camp. Um, you've got to be mobile. Uh, we've learned that the last several weeks. It, you know, it seems like we've been kind of in our own wandering the last several weeks. Um, we haven't had it nearly as bad as these guys have had it, I guarantee you that. Um, Steve, I think I've gained five or ten pounds since I've been with Steve and Lisa. Um, all the food, all the eating, all the sitting around talking. We've had such a good time. But, but there's something. Um, let me just say that as, as, as comfortable as, as I have felt uh, with Steve and Lisa at their house, as comfortable as they have made it, as wonderful as um, their home is, their stuff is a lot nicer than my stuff. I'm just going to let you know that. Their stuff is a lot nicer than the stuff I got coming from Texas. It just is. But you know what? Their stuff is not my stuff. It doesn't belong to me. I'm just a visitor. I'm just a guest. A very welcomed guest. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, and in fact, we have, we've been with them so much, and, and me especially. Um, I especially? Me? Was I right the first time? Thank you. We have learned to love them so much. And the only way to get to know someone is to spend time with them, Right? To live life with them. So what I've done, I've put a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And after we get our stuff and we get settled in, um, Paul and I want to come to, and, and, and live with you for like a week at a time. <laughs> you feed us, you take us out, pay for our supper, and we'll live with you for a week. A week at a time. Bro, that sounds good, doesn't it? 
And that way we'll get to know each other. We'll come back at our house and live for a week, and then we'll go to someone else's house. So I'm going to put a sign-up sheet out there. If you, if you think I'm kidding, you, you're right. I just, I just want to stay in my own house for a while. Wandering, that was never God's desire for them. It was for them to, to, to go into the promised land. Not to stay at, at Sinai or to stay at Horeb for all those, those months. Yes, they needed that time. And listen to me. We need the time in this book, okay? We have got to spend time in this book. We need to learn something of God's holiness, of his character, of how he has dealt with his people in the past, and what's going to happen in the future. But, but hear me when I say this, okay? Because I've grown up in church all my life. Most of us would have several master's degrees and a couple of doctorates in the Bible with as many classes that we have sat in and and as many times as we've been through the Bible, as much study as we have done. Now hear me when I say this, we need that. It's the Word of God. It is God-breathed. We need it every day in our lives. But so often we spend so much time in the Word and sometimes we wind up fussing and fighting about things that are in the Word. And we never get off the mountain and go and live what is in the Word. And I'm speaking as someone who has been in church all of his life. I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we we spend so much time preparing for the harvest, but we don't ever go out into the harvest. We're sharpening our tools, we're sharpening our tools, we're getting our tools ready. And man, we are so good at that, getting ready stuff, but you've stayed on this mountain long enough. That's what Moses told the people. It's time to move. It's time to break camp. It's time to advance. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast of the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. Now look at verse 8. See. I want you to see. I have given you this land. Notice what God did not say through Moses. See, I am going to give you this land. See, I am thinking about maybe possibly giving you this land. What does it say? I have given you this land. When did God give them this land? Years and years ago. It was already given. It was already promised. Victory was already secure. But they weren't ready. They disobeyed. They didn't do what God said. And so that which had been promised for years and years had never been realized. Because of disobedience, lack of faith, lack of willingness To trust in God. To trust that he would do what he said he would do. That's where I find myself at times. 
Do I, tr- do, do I trust you, Lord? Will I trust you? That's really what it boils down to, isn't it? When, when, when I sin and when, when I do something that I shouldn't, in essence, is what I'm saying is, Lord, I don't trust you. I don't trust you to satisfy me in, in this area or, or in that area or in this arena. I don't trust you to really be my all in all. I think that's, that's honestly what we do when we sin. When, when we have thoughts we shouldn't, when we say things we shouldn't, when we do something we shouldn't, in essence we're saying, God, not, not, we wouldn't say that. We wouldn't come out and say, I don't trust you, God. But that's what our actions say. I don't trust you to actually satisfy me. So I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do something else to satisfy me. Am I right about it? Say amen if you can. Say oh my if you can. <laughs> Woo. All right, we've got to finish up the text. I appreciate Landon leading the songs fast so I could have more time to preach this morning. He's giving me back my four minutes. He gave me back my four minutes that he took from me last week. From London, England. Woo. See, I want you to open your eyes and see, I have given you this land. It's a done deal. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would. The Lord swore. You can take that to the bank. God makes a promise. God swears by his own name. There's nothing that he can swear by that's greater than himself. God swears he, to give you something. It's going to happen. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Folks, what I, what I want you to see in looking at this passage here in Deuteronomy I want you to see that God is a God of love, that he is a God who keeps his promises. He kept his promise to those people, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to their descendants. Why? Because he loved them. Because he loved them. And I want you to feel that same love. I want you to see yourself in this story. That God has chosen you. Not because you are greater than anyone else, but because of his love for you. I want you to also see that just as, as Israel was entering into this, this time of transition, this, this new experience, this new life, this new generation, I think that we here at Northside are entering into a transition period, a new time. A time to celebrate that which God has done for us in the past, but a time to move into the future. New and exciting things. uh, Missional living, both both here in Jeff and in 
in Sellersburg and in Clarksville and in Charleston, but also across the waters, find ourselves reaching unchurched people. We're in, a, we're in a time of a new transition. I want you to be excited about that. I'm excited. I'm excited not because there's really that, anything that great about, about me um, being here, but I'm so excited about what God is going to do. What is he going to do through us? I want to wake up every morning. When, when, when I go to Africa, um, I'm there for one purpose, and that is to preach the gospel. So every day I wake up, and there's nothing else on my mind except the gospel, the gospel. And every day when I wake up there, my thoughts are, I wonder what God is going to do today. (laughs) I wonder what God's going to do today. I wonder how God's going to use me. I wonder if I'm going to hop on the back of a motorcycle with somebody I don't know and go to a village that you can't get any other way. Are there going to be five or ten people under a tree? Is there going to be a hundred people show up? It's like, I just wonder what God's going to do today. And I want that to be your thought. I want this week, I want you to think about when you wake up in the morning, maybe even before your feet hit the floor, I wonder wonder what God's going to do today with me, through me, to reach someone, to speak a good word. Let me just tell you this, and we're done. We went over to, uh, we were in the process um, of filling holes and spackling and sanding and all that yesterday. We needed to take a break for lunch, and then we went to Myers to... um, to, um, to get a few things that we needed. I've never been to a Myers. Never been. So I'm checking out and I had a nice conversation with, with a young man that was, um, was cashing us out. And I said to him, do you have a church home? He kind of looked at me uh, and like, that's kind of a weird question, you know. And we got in the car afterwards and, and my daughter Haley said, why did you ask him that? How did you get to that point? I mean, what happened that, that led you to that? And I said, I don't know. We, we were just talking, and he asked me how my day was going. I said, great. How's yours? And he said, just got back from lunch. And I said, lunch is a good thing. And he, he told me that they had a bunch of cops in the store because there were some shoplifters. He said, I missed all the excitement, I guess. And I said, man, you're scaring me, dude. You know, um, I, this is my first time ever to be in the Myers, and y'all are sitting here with all these cops and stuff. And he started laughing. So I said, um, do you have a church home? And he said, yeah, I do. I th- if I remember, I think it was Bethany AME, I think is where he said. Does that ring true with anybody? Um, so anyway, I said, listen, I'm the new preacher in town. I'm the new preacher. Used to, I think back in the old West, when, uh, when the new preacher came in, he was the only preacher. There was only one church, right? There wasn't any other churches. We got churches on every corner. I said, I'm the new preacher in town. I want you to come visit me. He said, I'm, I might do that. It, 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 it was just so easy. It was just so easy. And it, and it took just no time at all. Who knows? Who knows if he'll ever show up? But I may go back to Myers again. I may see him again.
and I'll strike up another conversation with him. Just, God, what are you going to do with me today? How will you use me? If we will have that mindset, God is going to do amazing things. God has already given us those victories, but so often we're just not ready to move into it. We don't, maybe we don't have the faith to move into those areas. With God's help, we're going to. We are going to break camp, and we are going to advance for the kingdom, for the sake of the kingdom. Somebody here this morning may need prayers. Um, that's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ. We lean on one another. We grow stronger by being with each other. If we, if we can help you this morning, if we can pray about something, we want to do that. That's, that's a part of why we, God connects us to a family. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's, that's never obeyed the gospel and, and it's been weighing on your heart. You want to do that. Today is the day. Today's the day of salvation.